Well, tonight we're going to continue in Matthew 10, if you have your Bible. I've been talking about the hallmarks of Christian discipleship. Now, the first one, you remember we talked about it for a couple of weeks, uh, was in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It was a disciple tries to be like his master. You know, if you really want to learn how to, how to live the Christian life, pick out the finest Christian you know and, and try and catch on to how they think, how they operate, how they do things. Try and catch on and see if they are loving, uh, caring, uh, helping people. And the more you're around them, the more you become like them. The second thing that we have been looking at is the disciple gives reverence to God and not to the world. Now, we're still in that section. We're going to finish it uh, tonight. Uh, we want to do that. We want to give more reverence to God and not to the world. We want to have a humility that I talked about this morning. We want to have a humility that honors the Lord and integrity uh, that honors the Lord. Our integrity is judged every day by everybody. Integrity is such an important thing uh, that we need to have as we serve him. Well, tonight we're beginning in verse uh, 28, uh, chapter 10, verse 28. If you have your Bible... Uh, look with me at that. It says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him, talking about the Lord, fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Now, this is talking about a specific person in both instances. It says, do not fear, uh, has to do with those who kill the body. Now, who kills the body? Well, uh, these people that are going around uh, shooting people all over our country, they kill the body. Uh, there are those all over the world tonight that are killing Christians. Uh, we've heard about that from the lady from Voice of the Martyrs. She did a great job kind of laying out the picture for us of all the killing that's going on in the world. It says, do not fear those who kill the body. The harm that they do is temporary. And you say, well, it sounds kind of permanent to me. If it's going to kill my body, that's kind of permanent. Well, it depends on how you look at it. You know, the... The body is very temporary. You know, when you, when you look at something from God's perspective, it's like a million years for every little piece of sand on every ocean. That's how long he looks. You know, it's forever. It's for eternity. And we're, of course, all worked up about uh, our body now. Um, we should instead fear him, fear the Lord is talking about, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear here has two senses. The first has to do with fright and terror. That's what we have of people that would kill uh, the body. I was uh, 
a kid in Chattanooga growing up, and we had a uh, young guy in the church that was mentally retarded, and he would do and say very strange things. You never do what he was going to do next. Well, one night at church, he pulled out a knife, and it wasn't just a little knife. It was a big knife. It's one of those Jim Bowie kind of knives. And he was kind of waving that thing around, and I was about four feet from him. And, you know, it kind of flashed across my mind, I'm going to get killed right here at church. And I'm just 18 years old. That's not right. That's not fair. That was the thought. I never will forget. That's the thought that went through my mind. A bunch of the men came up and told him uh, to put that down. And they kept talking to him, kept talking to him. And I think somebody eventually offered him some ice cream if he would put it down. And so he put it down. But it was scary. You know, we have uh, uh, fright and terror related to that. The scripture is saying that the second sense of fear has to do with awe. And that's what we have of God. And that's the kind of fear that we ought to have. That's what this text tonight means. Do not fear those who kill the body, but fear him, the Lord, who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. There may be a price to pay for speaking for God's truth in the light and proclaiming it from the housetops. I mentioned last week that if they wanted to get the word out about something, they didn't have the television or the newspapers or anything. So they would go up on top of their housetop and yell out what they wanted everybody to know. And, of course, the sound would filter down to each house. They all had flat housetops. We had a lady. I don't know how many of you heard her. We had a lady from Voice of the Martyrs come and and speak at our church a while back. And the numbers that she cited were just almost unbelievable to me. I've read a lot of things about all the killing that's going on around the world, this ISIS group and all the people that they're uh, killing. The lady said that there were 500,000 people last year that were sacrificed, that were murdered simply because they were Christian. Now think of that, 500,000 people gave their life because they were believers. In Sudan, Uh, They're right now doing an ethnic cleansing. The Muslims come down from the north and go into the villages and kill everybody. They want the natural resources that are there. And that's going on today. You know, we're here in our nice church and uh, we're relatively safe, we think. If something happens, we call the police. And if something real bad happens, the policeman calls some more police. And uh, we feel like, you know, things will uh, get in order pretty shortly. But there's a price to pay for speaking for the Lord all over the world. So many times you're shunned. So many times you're put at the back of the line. In some countries you can't own land if you're a Christian. In some countries you're on a list and your name is going to come up one day and you're going to be murdered. Because of your faith 
in the Lord Jesus. Paul had no fear of those that could kill his body. Uh, Acts uh, 20, 24 talks about that. You know, I, I must be kind of immature in the faith because I do fear that. I have a 38 beside my bed, and it's loaded, and it's ready. My wife has a 38 under her side of the bed. If somebody comes in, we'll probably shoot each other. But we do have guns, and uh, we, we're not going to just roll over and let somebody kill us. We're not going to do it. Now, Paul says he had no fear for those that could kill the body. Well, I do. I don't know if you do, but I do. We have an alarm system on our house. If somebody opens the door, we know it. Um, if it's at the wrong time, we have that type of the alarm on, it rings in a certain way, and we go get the 38s, and uh, we try and be uh, ready. Well, I, I, I have tried seriously to think about this. Scripture says, Paul, you know, wasn't worried about that at all. Now, Somebody make me feel better here. Jim, do you worry at all? <laughs> Ed, do you worry at all? I'm not perfect. <laughs> I think he's in my group. Well, that's, that's, uh, this is scriptural, and it's, it really uh, is, a, is an issue that all of us need to deal with. Uh, such people, however, even Satan himself, are unable to kill the soul. Satan can't kill your soul. He would want to, but he can't. Physical death is the full extent of harm that so many can bring to us. They cannot touch the soul. They cannot touch the eternal part of our being. Even the bodies that they destroy will one day be resurrected and become imperishable. And that's a wonderful uh, consolation for those of us that uh, really kind of put ourselves on the line every once in a while for the Lord. Uh, it talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42, if you'd like to read that. Jesus' point here is that the only fear a believer should have is of him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. And only God can do that. There's nobody else that can do that. In the last days, Satan himself will be cast into hell, which is the Lord's domain, not Satan's domain. Now, you know, you think about hell as being under the control of Satan. You think about him ruling there and having his demons there and having his followers there and all of that, but that's not right. The Lord God Almighty is in charge of hell, and he regulates and he supersedes all issues related to that. God's ability to destroy both soul and body in hell 
is mentioned here only in contrast, and only two contrast, his unlimited and permanent power with Satan's limited and temporary power. God is the only one who can determine and bring to pass the destiny of souls and our bodies. Only God can do that, and only God will do that. Reverence of God in his sovereign majesty is a powerful motivation for Christians to serve him and to be fearless of any earthly physical consequences that service may bring. Once again, that's going back to this thing about us not fearing anything here on earth. You know, I have thought, you're going to really think I'm out of it when I say this. I have thought uh, every once in a while that if the doctor told me, I went in to see the doctor, the doctor said, Ron, you've got about a month. That's it. you got about a month. The thought has crossed my mind a number of times that I would like to go to some of those places like the Sudan, and I'd like to take over some real good rifles with me and some you know, some guns and things. And, uh, I, you know, I'd like to try and help those people. You know, I really would. I'd like to help them. Um, I think they need help. I think we ought to help them. The power of human threats seem very puny in comparison to the power of God's promises. God's promises are for every one of us here tonight that know and love him. Over a period of some 300 years of terrible persecution in and around Rome, 10 generations of Christians dug nearly 600 miles of catacombs beneath and around the city of Rome. Archaeologists have found these now. Uh, they estimate that perhaps a total of four million bodies are buried in those catacombs. Uh, a common inscription found in the catacombs is the image of a fish, you know, the two lines that you see on some cars every once in a while. The Greek word for which is ichthus. It was used as an acrostic for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. And they would have that on their uh, burial place in those catacombs. Another common inscription found there is that the word of God is not bound. In other words, the word of God is forceful. The word of God can penetrate into any heart, any life, any place, any time. It is not bound. During the most prolonged period of persecution in the history of the Christian church, those believers revered God more than they feared man. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? Don't we wish that we could all have that testimony? Well, it's an example for us uh, here tonight. Since that day, many more millions have given their lives for the cause of Christ. Perhaps as many as 50 million believers were martyred during the Dark Ages. Millions more have been martyred since 
in our own century by communist regimes in Europe and Asia and in Africa. And more, even more recently, there have been, and we don't know the number, of Christians martyred by these radical Muslims that are killing Christians everywhere they find them, all over the world. There are some people in America, as you know, that have been killed by these crazy, wild, maniac, uh, radical Muslims. The faithful disciple, disciple values his soul immeasurably more than he values his body. And he will gladly sacrifice that which is only physical and corruptible for the sake of that which is spiritual and incorruptible. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Amen. That's the truth. Well, let's look at verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, do not fear, for you are of more value than many sparrows. Now, Jesus in this particular spot is teaching the disciples. He's giving them these hallmarks of Christian discipleship. He's trying to to get them to get the big picture, not the little picture, the big picture. Every person uh, in our day, just like the disciples then, who would trust in the Lord, uh, ought to realize that they are very, very dear to our Heavenly Father. He knows every one of us by name. I once uh, pastored a large church of about 3,500 people. I pastored there for a long time. And I knew almost the name of everyone there. And you know, I'm uh, 71 now. And uh, I can't remember names very well. I don't know if that slipped up on you or not, but uh, it has on me. I keep trying. I go through our church book every once in a while. I go through all the pictures and try and get all the names right. And uh, it's it's a battle. Well, with divine intimacy and intensity, the Lord loves and cherishes each one of those that belong to him and will not allow any permanent, permanent harm to come to them. Now, we're going to get nicked and we're going to get cut and we're going to get hurt along the way. But as we think about permanent harm, we're talking about eternity. And the Lord is going to keep us strong and keep us going for him forever. No question about that. Now, a cent was the smallest coin in circulation in Jesus' time. It was worth one-sixteenth of a denarius. One-sixteenth. The denarius was the average daily wage for a laborer in that time. One such cent would buy two sparrows which were as common and as relatively valueless as they are uh, today. 
about the same. Roasted sparrows were often served as cheap finger food. They were often served as hors d'oeuvres <coughs> at the big uh, palace uh, parties that they had. They many times were served as the appetizer uh, for those that would gather. Yet not one sparrow, the scripture says, will fall to the ground apart from your heavenly Father knowing about it. Now just compute that in your mind. He knows what's happening to every bird on the earth. And he knows what's happening to you every moment of every day. He knows where you are, what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're trying to accomplish. You know, this morning I, I really had more to say, and I wanted to say more about us having some short-term goals for the Lord and some long-term goals for the Lord. You know, short-term, I'm pretty excited about building this building. It is going to really enhance our ability in teaching and training people in the, in the way of Christ. It's really going to help in that. Now, long-term, what, what are we aiming for long-term? Do you have some one-month goals and some one-year goals? Do you have some five-year goals? Are you thinking about what you really want to accomplish for the Lord? I've mentioned this a number of times, and I want to say it again tonight. I think all of us ought to put the church in our will, uh, that we could tithe our will, our trust to the Lord. Uh, Cindy and I don't have any children. We're going to give it all to God's work, 100%. And, and we're happy about that. That's what we want to do. We have spent our lives serving the Lord. I know you have children, and you want to give it to them. Well, give 90% of it to them, but give 10% of it to the Lord because probably they're just going to get it and waste it. It'll all be gone in about six months after they get it. The scripture says, yet not one sparrow will fall to the ground apart from your father. Jesus says, the most insignificant of the little birds can fall anywhere and they do it. And as they do it, the Lord knows all about it. Now, in some Greek commentaries, this word also means hop. And so what that would uh, mean is that the Lord not only knows when they uh, fall to the ground, but he also knows when they hop. The sparrow's hopping. He knows that. Now, if he knows that, certainly he knows what our dogs are doing. They're more important than the sparrows. And if he knows that, he knows what all the horses are doing. He knows what all the animals in God's kingdom are doing. And he knows what you're doing. That's the most important thing. God's knowledge of us is so detailed and his interest in us is so keen that the very hairs on our head are numbered. The average hair count on the human head is about 140,000. That's the average. Now, we're probably not holding up our end of that. But that's the average, which means some people, of course, have more than that. 
Some of us have less. God, who has all knowledge of every person, illustrates his omniscience by this spiritually inconsequential bit of information. He knows every number of every head of hair, not only here, but of everybody in the world. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything about that, but more than that, he knows everything in our heart. And he wants our hearts to be right. He wants our hearts to be moving in a Godward direction. He wants our hearts to be trying to serve him on a daily basis. If he takes notice of such things as the sparrows, the hair on our head, how much more concerned he is about spiritual matters of far greater consequence. He's real concerned about that. Jesus then gives a third exhortation to not fear. There's one in verse 26, one in 28, and this one. Another reason why we should not fear is that we are of more value to God than the sparrows. The obvious understatement here, that's an understatement, illustrates how very, very dear all of God's children are to him. You know, every uh, week I read a lot. I suppose people wonder what I'm doing in my office sometimes. I'm in there for hours at a time. I, uh, I read a lot. And the main reason that I read a lot is that I look for great illustrations. You know, the, the scripture kind of breaks itself down in ways that are very obvious, and you can make three points out of it very easily. But you can't get great illustrations that way. You've got to read a lot. You've got to go through a lot of materials. You've got to read the newspaper every day, which I do, and some magazines uh, every month, as I do. And you've got, to, you've got to just read a lot of stuff. You've got to read a lot of stuff on the Internet. Well, I want to close tonight with one of the best illustrations that I know of. And I want you to listen very carefully because it is a strong testimony for the Lord. From among the finest athletes in the Roman Empire, Nero selected a group that he called the Emperor's Wrestlers. The, their motto was, We the wrestlers, wrestling for thee, O Emperor, to win for thee the victory, and from thee the victor's crown. The wrestlers were also soldiers and were sent out on special military uh, commands, special campaigns, special tasks that they had to do. On a certain mission in Gaul, which is the modern France, many of the wrestlers were converted to Christ. Upon hearing the news of that, Nero ordered the commander, Vespasian, to execute any wrestler who refused to renounce Christ and swear religious as well as military allegiance to the emperor. If they wouldn't do that, kill them. The emperor's orders were received 
in the dead of winter. As the men were encamped on the shore of a frozen lake. When Vespasian assembled the soldiers and asked how many of them were Christians, 40 men stepped forward. Hoping not to lose any of these fine men, many of whom were his best friends that he had lived with and worked with for years. He gave them until sundown the next day to reconsider. But at the given hour, all 40 men still refused to renounce Christ. In order that they might not die at the hands of their comrades, the commander ordered the 40 men to disrobe and to walk naked out onto the ice, the frozen lake that was before them. Throughout the night, the soldiers on shore could hear the 40 men singing triumphantly, 40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. The singing grew fainter as morning neared and at dawn, a lone figure walked back and approached the fire. He confessed that his faith was not strong enough to face death. Then Vespasian heard in the distance the faint strains of these words, 39 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ. He was so moved that he took off his armor, and his clothes, and marched out onto the ice to join the others, shouting as he went, 40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory, and from thee the victor's crown. We need to let that be a real impetus to us to really serve our Lord and Savior. Tonight, if there are those in the house that would like to come and and become a part of our church, we pray that you will. We want you to step out on faith, step out in an allegiance to the Lord Jesus and a willingness to be used of him through the auspices of this church. If there are those here in the house that want to be saved, You want to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been around some of the people in this church for a while, and they have so inspired you, like those wrestlers inspired the commander, that you want to follow and you want to serve. You want to come and and move your membership to this place so that you can serve Christ here. Well, whatever your decision might be, I'm going to stand down in the front. Jim's going to lead us in a song. And if the Lord leads you, you just slip out and slip forward. Let's stand together as we sing.